Uh, and put your hands together for this very exciting evening. Here they are, Lily Cara, Brian Edmondson, and Jessica. They're going to work it out now, and then we're going to stop. We're, we're discussing whether it would be best to proceed by reading from the text or by talking about the text. Um, the text is a series of deaths. This poor guy named Henry King repeatedly dies in more and more gruesome and strange and existential ways. So maybe we'll read, begin with some reading. Yeah. And then you'll know what we're talking about. So that would be good. And you can see behind us the. Uh, so Lily was, was uh, did all the images for the book. And you can see at least one of those behind us. They're moving. They're moving, okay. Can I just take turns for you? Okay, you begin. Henry King woke with a hammer partway through his head. Someone pulled the end of the hammer out of the hole and then brought it down again, causing Henry's body to shake a little all over, especially at the extremities. <laughs> Henry King was found by his dog, who later ate him. The dog escaped out a window and made his way west. Henry King's costume was exhibited at the zoo where he died. Never wear such clothing at the zoo, a sign said. Henry King fell from an open window. A girl was telling a joke about a platypus. It was an extremely funny joke, and many kept laughing, even when they saw what had happened. Henry King realized mid-leap that the other building's roof was in fact much farther away than he'd realized. Henry King's costume was exhibited at the zoo where he died. Never wear such clothing at the zoo, a sign said. Henry King discovered that the inside of Henry King looks like any meat one might find in a butcher shop. He smiled wryly and perished. Henry King climbed a ladder and then it began to rain. By chance, all the rain went into his mouth and he drowned before he could fall. After several narrow escapes and a harrowing experience with a man holding un under his arm what Hen Henry initially thought was a soccer ball, but quickly realized was a human head, Henry King stumbled through the jungle and onto the airstrip. Crouching, he ran across the tarmac and clambered into the plane's wheel well. At last, he was safe. A few minutes later, the plane took off and the wheel crushed him. Henry King reached into his bag. I believe this is what you're looking for. The man with the pale shadow flayed Henry then and there. The flaying was painful, and it took quite a while. That's what it is, thought Henry, dying. That's what it is. His shadow, too, is wearing a shadow made of skin. An angel came to Henry King in a dream and showed him his eternal lot, a sun black but shining, a cataract of blood shot through with fire. And what is this a metaphor for, asked Henry King. It is no metaphor, said the angel. And when shall it befall me, asked Henry King. Now, said the angel, and reached down his throat and tore out his heart. His last memory as Henry King was the stick coming down towards his face. It was followed as if without transition by the smiling face of a nurse. But by then he had lost track of his name and never quite managed to retrieve it. So... 
So, so that gives you a sense of, of kind of what we're doing with this book, which is we're repeatedly killing Henry King over and over again. Um, because why? Why are we killing him over and over again? He deserves it, I guess, in some way or another. Um, but well, in most books, you're waiting for the death to happen. So we figure we'll just give you all the death. Right. So uh, the death never stops happening in this book. And, and Lily also, in, in, in the, uh, um, the images for the book, um, made sure that the death keeps on happening there as well. Um, we, we can talk, you know, we, because of the kind of book this is, we thought we might just spend more time talking about um, how it came together and how we ended up doing it, um, and then answer questions. Um, do you want to start with it? Well, I had, I had forgotten the way that it originally began, and then you were mentioning earlier. Oh, so, so uh, Jesse and I have known each other for a while, and one day Jesse sent me a text message, which um, we talked about collaborating for a while on a project. And he sent me a text message that said, um, one, his name is Henry King, two, he dies over and over again. And, um, and then we started sending these deaths back and forth to one another, mainly when we were in department meetings. Um, so we would kind of be distracted and not wanting to listen to what was going on in the meeting and would send one another um, a death by email or by text back and forth. And, and often we would write even not just one, but like three or four. Yeah. So it would be, you know... I'd, Depending on how bad the meeting was. Yeah. <laughs> so I would receive these and myself perhaps be sitting in a meeting and reading them and giggling and then trying to respond. Yeah, we seem to, for some reason, be in meetings at the same time. Um, but we, yeah, we just kept on sending them back and forth. And I think for, for a long time it was just... Um, an act of friendship because that's what friends do they send deaths back and forth to one another um, and then at a certain point um, either you did something or I did something that, that one, the other of us found startling and then um, I think that, that changed our, our focus or our attention and made us think about the project in a different way and I think part of, part of the core of it is that literature should be playful however serious it is um, the you could say the degree to which it can be bent is the degree to which it can be serious. So it has to be playful in order to be serious. So the question is then, if you have to sit down to work, how can you make it playful? And so this was something that was inherently playful. And then as we began to sort of compete in sending them back and forth, it became uh, deeper. The waters became deeper. Yeah. And so at a certain point, we started thinking this this might be a book. And I think that was the point where you suggested getting Lily involved in the process. Because we, we were thinking maybe we could bring images in. But then the difficulty of bringing in images is that you don't always like the, the work that a person would do. But of course, I knew her and her magnificent work. And so. And I said her book. Yeah, I read the book, the fantagraphic stuff as well. So. And so it seemed she would be the perfect, perfect choice. So I sent her the stuff and really hoped that she would agree. Yeah, I agreed. Um, and um, at first, it was kind of hard coming up with imagery because there's so many of these that really, um, like, kind of how you imagine, the, like, the costume in the zoo. Like, that one can't be illustrated because so much lies in, like, imagining what that could possibly be. Um, so it was hard kind of choosing which ones to add another layer or, like, try and find humor in drawing and how drawing would complement um, the absurdity of some of these deaths. Um, so about half of them, I think, are illustrated, and 
Um, also, choosing a style was kind of tricky, too. Um, and I tried a few different things, and then I um, was looking at this book that Jesse actually gave me, I forget, like a few years before, or something like that, that was um, a book of uh, New England gravestone rubbings from the 1800s. And that was really great, just thinking of like these odd, very, like they were very goofy and serious at the same time, and like trying to abbreviate a life in this like funny little image with certain kind of iconography. Um, I thought that was a good place to start with thinking of how to um, approach choosing a style um, and pairing imagery with these stories. So that was the source. Um, can I ask a quick question? Um, you said the word compete. Uh, did you guys think of competing as you wrote these, or how much did that dictate what you wrote? For me, a competition in the sense that when someone does something that is more interesting than what had previously been done, it kind of you can no longer go and do the old thing again. Now you have to improve and do something um, more, I guess, is something that's uh, more deeply complicit with the horror of existence. Yeah, I, I think, it, um, yeah, I just think that there were moments when the stakes felt like they were raised, where, um, you know, we went from feeling like we were just you know, doing something to entertain ourselves when we were having to go through faculty meetings to to, to starting to feel like, you know, we were, you know, the, the, the other person would, would do something that you'd think, oh, this could actually be something interesting. And then that would make you try to make it more interesting. So it was, it was less competition and more provocation, I guess, right. in some ways. Yeah. Here's one, for instance, where the, the knowledge of the book itself existing seems to be taken into account, you know. And I think previous to this one, it had not yet been taken into account. So, Henry King wore a special shirt for people who may be one day kidnapped. This made him more comfortable in day-to-day -day life. He bought special shoes for people who need to survive short falls. He wore an actual helmet. He covered his crotch with a semi-articulated neoprene and steel codpiece. This odd appearance was sufficient to provoke a mob in Buenos Aires where he was killed while attempting to enter a soccer stadium. Thirty people stood on his head until it was flat. They left his body alone. So this, I don't remember, uh, this is a funny thing. I don't know which ones I wrote and which ones Brian and I we, we, we wrote. We forgot this. But whoever wrote this one has begun to, to have a sympathy for poor Henry, maybe to feel bad about continually killing him and to try to give him protective garments. Which doesn't help at all. Right. It makes it even worse. Right. Know? Yeah, I think at a certain point um, we were writing, playing with each other's voices as we were writing them um, and responding to what had come before. And so there, there are a lot of these that I have no idea who, who wrote them. If it's, if it's me or, or Jesse or Jesse kind of mimicking me or Jessica, Jesse mimicking me, mimicking him, or, you know, it gets very arcane in some ways. And there's this vast literature of death that is fun to play with, like uh, this one, number 30. Um, you know, you have this boatman, Charon, who's, who's ferrying people across the, the river, and you have to have a coin when you come to him. Um, and so, Henry King argued fruitlessly with Charon, I have no money. You must have some money. I, I have no money. You must have some money. I, I have no money. You must. <laughs> and so that's, you know, you get to engage the pleasure of this book then is that this form which we created allows us to, I mean, we always have, you know, sitting on the toilet, you have funny thoughts about the boatman of death. 
but there's just nowhere in life to use it. And now suddenly here's this place where you can use these funny thoughts. Yes. Um, uh, I'm curious about um, Henry King, the name and the character. Isn't it from like um, an old song or something like this? Where did you come up with the, the name? I guess it just seemed like the most... Uh, well, in all different languages, the name, the king in various forms is one of the most common, you know, because everyone wants to be king-like or, or whatnot. Um, so Henry King just seemed like the most basic name. Yeah. like John Smith or something like this except that everyone hates kings right? we all hate kings so it gives an excuse for victimizing him as well yeah. and then there's Henry VIII and he does all these things to his wives and so we, yeah. to, we want to punish him a little yeah there's a couple that play with um, Henry King versus King Henry in the, uh, in the book as well yeah I, I do think that was what it was I think you just came up with the name is my memory, um, and, and then I just went with it. So. I don't know why I thought it was from an old song. But I, I'm sure there's an old song. Like, absolutely, yeah. there must well be. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any questions? Did any deaths not make the final cut? Did they? I, don't, I think they all are in here. I, I think they're pretty much all in there. I think some changed a little bit as we worked on them, but I think they're all in there, and I think they're roughly in the order that they were written in. So, so that was part of it, is, is that we did feel that they, um, that they did start to feel different over time as we kind of entered in the project, so I think it made sense to put them in that, that order. Um, I think there probably were, I think I had a couple that I started and never sent to you. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, and because I just, they weren't doing what I wanted to do. Henry King was not dying in a way that was interesting <laughs> to me. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, I think, I think we just kind of went, went ahead with it. And I might have rearranged the order, like if I was sending Jesse three or four, I would sometimes rearrange the order of those three or four, but I think the chronology is pretty much there. Thanks. So. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask if each of you could uh, kind of speak to a favorite kind of contribution of one of the others, um, but it seems like you kind of confused that with time, and that's probably possible. yeah. We have no idea. Okay. So then, so then my backup question then is just the the relationship with uncivilized books and choosing to publish this through them, and how that came about, and how it fit with them, and what you say about them. I guess. Do you want to? So, so I had a relationship with uncivilized books. I'd done a, a book. Um, I'd done a couple of things for them. I, I co-translated with my my daughter um, two David B books for them, and so like the kind of Tom K who works there knew who I was, uh, and then I'd also written a short monograph on um, Ed the Happy Clown that the, the uh, Chester Burns uh, 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 yeah sorry Chester Brown books thank you. Um, Chester Brown. Um, and so, so I kind of had a relationship, and I, I knew that Tom was really, he, he makes these beautiful books. He does a really good job with his books, and he, he'd been a finalist for Ignatz a bunch of times for book design. And so we, we, I, I thought that might be a good place to approach. And, um, and you know, we, we sent it to him, and he was like, this, this is kind of a, comic and kind of not a comic at the same time and he but he was interested in kind of expanding the notion of what comics are 
Um, so we, we kind of went ahead with that. But we, we thought about other places as well. McSweeney's published a selection of these in their last issue. And and, uh, um, and ultimately, I mean, it was great to work with Tom, but, but uh, the way the press works, it, everything is perpetually delayed. So it did actually take about a year or longer than we thought it was going to take for the book to come out. Or two. Or three. Maybe two or three. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was the frustration. There were moments when we were not sure the book would come out. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy with the way it, it looks at this point. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, I don't want to say whether the weight was worth it or not, but it was just it, the weight was the weight, and I'm happy with where we ended up with it. One of the things that was important, too, is that the the images not so much be like illustrations per se of the things, but be playful in their own right and constitute something that would be strong enough to stand against the text as a whole. You know, yeah. and I think we, when I mean the day when we got we started to get the images uh, when you were sending them to us, we were just overjoyed. Yeah. yeah, we're very happy with the images, and then Tom knew your work as well, and so he was he was keen on the idea of, of working with Lily, so that was part of it. But it is, a, like, it's something, I think it's um, it's a little bit out of their wheelhouse in that it's it's text and image versus a kind of uh, organic combination of the two, necessarily. So, um, but, but he, you know, we were willing, or I was willing, I kind of, I think I, I, I pushed you guys to move in that direction. Well, I think, yeah, what's nice about Uncivilized Books and, and working with um, a smaller comics publisher like that is just how much attention, even though it did take a long time, like, they do put like love into the books, and yeah. it, each one feels kind of like a special thing that they put into the world. So that felt like a good fit. So how over how long a period of time did you exchange? How long did this take? Based uh, on how much time did you have to do the illustrations? Were you doing them because they were creating the stories in an organic process, or? I, I think did we finish the? I think we finished it by the time I gave it to Lily. Um, how long did we take? I was I was trying to remember this. I was thinking maybe 2010 mm -hmm. to 2012 or something. Like this. Yeah, that sounds about right. I would say a year and a half to two years. Um, and you know, it, it's not um, in terms of actual word count. That's pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty um, small per day, I guess. But um, you would come in, in kind of bursts, I think. So. Um, well, and, and it wasn't it wasn't writing a book at the time. It was just a display right. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we realized that there's a substantive right. amount of them. So I would wake up in the morning, and Jesse would have sent me some deaths, and and then I would think about them through the day, and then I would send him back some deaths, and and then eventually, yeah, we we uh, decided it was a book and, and approached Lily. So, and you probably, how long did you spend working on it? I feel like I took a while. I feel like Jesse kept. Asking me about it, and like I was trying different styles and just trying to figure out what would work. So yeah, I don't know how long it took, but not as long as the publisher. <laughs> but, you, you had different ideas initially for yeah. Yeah, stylistically, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Different. I think the the poise of of drawing is different from the poise of text. You know, and what's excluded and what's included. And so to find a balance that is, the, the text here is, it's, um, it's certainly ironic at times, but it's also serious enough that it should be, it should be felt. And so I think the grave, the grave rubbings really are the, the perfect balance 
for that. Because, of course, as, as silly as these little angels are, like, you know, if someone has committed suicide, there's a, there's a grave rubbing with the, one of the wings is across the face because the angel's ashamed of itself or whatever, you know. Um, which is, that's on someone's grave. It's the real grave, but it's also totally comedic, you know. And so I thought it was a perfect balance. Yeah. Did you share these with anybody while you were corresponding? I would read some of the ones that you would send to somebody if I thought they were very funny. Um, yeah, I, I did sometimes. I, I, I shared some with my... my uh, um, I think we started working on, on these before I was married, but the woman who I was dating, who I ended up marry, marrying, um, shared some with her. Um, and, and some of them are very, you know, brutally funny. Um, so yeah, occasionally would share. Yeah, I wouldn't share them with my, my grandfather or anything like that, because <laughs> probably would kill him. But yeah. My kids love this book. Um, I'm just that, that, yeah, that really worries me. <laughs> um, so they're not, these aren't real grouping. Um, but uh, yeah, these, um, I started doing hand-drawn stuff for things and it didn't really work. And then this, I, it's sort of a combination of um, drawing and different kind of layers um, digitally. So I like to scan certain textures of things that were done uh, physically, but then also drew and like played around with things in Photoshop and stuff. So it's kind of a yeah, half analog, <laughs> half digital kind of thing. Yeah. Is there a death that you're all most afraid of happening to you? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that probably is the death that's not in the book, I would guess. Um, I mean, the deaths are fairly absurd in most ways. I mean, there are a couple of deaths where some where he thinks he's escaped something and then he ends up encountering death anyway. And, and that's something that um, probably does terrify me a little bit. So, like, there's one. This is on page 58. Um, Henry King had seen the open manhole from some distance away. Must be careful, he thought, remembering incidents from his pasts. He approached the manhole slowly, always keeping it inside, and then very cautiously stepped over it and into the path of the speeding bus. Um, so so that, that kind of thing of like where you're being so careful to avoid death and death gets you anyway is something that I personally find um, probable and worrying. <laughs> The apathy of the onlookers is often disturbing, mm-hmm. yeah. which I imagine is realistic. Um, as we went on, they, you'll notice that they become longer and longer towards the end, which is kind of the necessity of having to complicate them based upon the previous work. Is there one that you like drawing the most? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know if one stood out as like especially pleasurable. Um, there's some that like were um, on that line of like they could stand alone because they're so descriptive. I like, like this, the this one a lot. Oh, and is that that's the last one, right? Yes. Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, there's more pressure on that one. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, well yeah, the back one I really did enjoy the broken back. I think things where I really got to play with this sort of cartoonish body. Um, oh, this this one was really great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Henry King inside of a bear. I like drawing this back a lot. That might be a favorite. Um, but yeah, no, 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 there's something. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, any other questions? I have one. Oh, do you have one? Oh, yeah. Um, first off, it's great that this is the Day of the Dead. That like yesterday was for children, and this is to remember adults and everything that's in the Um And uh, Jesse, you said that as it went along, you felt you, you, you two started to feel that it was more serious. Um, and you also said it sort of usually you wait for a death at the end of a novel or the end of the play, and here you're just doing it from the beginning. And I wonder sort of, kind of what you started to understand or learn or how it became more serious is if you ever, because there's a feeling here of kind of if you repeat it often enough, you will conquer death or you will, you know. So I wondered what, what kind of understanding you got there. Well, some of it is the... the technical pleasure of the thing, because it's sort of an inside joke, you know, when it begins and the inside, it's a, a joke is made and then someone else repeats it with a variation and then someone else repeats it and um, as we go on, the, the, you could say the lexicon that surrounds it gets deeper and deeper, so that, that affords more opportunity for this reflective kind of irony and, um, and play, and so that deeper vocabulary it means that more subtle things can be attempted, you know. And yet, of course, they should um, they should not seem to be more complicated than the original one because it's supposed to be this thing that's joke a joke that's whispered in someone's ear. You know, it should never cease to be that. But there is almost like a Groundhog's Day quality to some of these, where he's just he's going through the same thing and remembering at certain points his past and. But still unable to escape it, and I think I think for for me ultimately at the end of the book he becomes um, not quite reconciled to the experience, but 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 reaches a strange kind of comfort with the fact that you know this might potentially go on forever for him. How did we know it was the end? I don't know. We just we decided it was the end. We both kind of just decided that was the end when we when that last one was written. So the last one was just, it seemed appropriate. Yeah. I don't even know if you wrote it, or I wrote it. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. No problem. You said at some point you realized there was a book in there, but at what point did the end come after that realization? Uh, yeah, do you want to answer that? I, 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 it is a good question. Um, I think it was not not much longer after that, because it was it was really we we thought oh there might be enough of these to actually make a book, and then at that point there was already eighty or ninety of them or something. Um, yeah, it was probably pretty close that we finally decided that this... But, but I, I think that... I mean, it always felt like play, and it was always fun to do, um, but I think there's a point where the play felt more serious. And, and that, I think, was part of the idea that this might not just be... might might be for more than just us. So that, I think, was moving towards the idea of a book. And all the time that we were working on, on this thing, we were writing other things during those years. So from... Yeah, you know, 2010 to 2012, the other other books were written. Yeah. Hello. Hey, I remember him. 
So was there, was there any point during the, the development of these where you actually talked about kind of the theory that was kind of developing behind them beyond that first text? Or was it, did that remain, has this developed into more of uh, it remain kind of two rules? No, I don't think we, I don't think no. we talked about it at all. But we're just so in sync as human beings that we both, both knew exactly what the other was thinking at all times. That's right. Um, no, I, I don't think we did, but I, I do think we... I felt like I could tell by the gestures of the ones that he was sending to me that we were enough on the same page of, in terms of what we were doing that, that um, in a way, it didn't need to be asked. So, and there is, and in a process like this, when you're collaborating with someone, there is this kind of element of, of trust, or, you know, and even when we turned it over to Lily, the idea that we, we were just excited and trusted what she would do with it and how she would add to the project. So. And I think partly why why we couldn't we have difficulty identifying which ones I wrote, which ones you wrote, is because the entirety of the previous usage is the rule set. Like the first time, the whole of the first one is the rule set. The you know when you get to the third one, the first two are the rule set. When you get to the you know fifty first, the first fifty, that is the rule set, and all things within it pertain to the creation of uh, more. So it's not like this one is mine, this one is yours. Yeah. The whole thing is just, yeah. you know, like if we're all if we're all trying to have a game where we name animals, it's not like this is my animals, it's your It animals. takes a long time to run out of animals. <laughs> um, and, and we also, I mean, I, I don't think we got, we didn't end because we ran out of deaths. No. I think there's lots more deaths there, but it just did felt like it had a natural arc to it. Did you, and once it, the competing, uh, entered the picture, did you ever find yourself sitting down and researching crazy ways to kill him? Or was it all from your imagination? Or did you have to fact check it all? Um, I, I actually think that most of that stuff is already in my imagination. Um, I, I don't remember actually researching anything. I mean, there were, there were lots of moments when I would remember, kind of half remember something. And, and kind of pursue it and just see where it would go. And, but but, but I, I, I think generally, no, it wasn't really research-based so much as just kind of, yeah. Yeah, no, no research, just just the pleasure. Not that research can't be pleasure. Of course it can. Did you travel around to grave sites all around the country? I How do you guys survive your faculty meetings? Then? That's actually a really good question. Um, you're on leave, so you can survive in that way. Um, I just draw drawings over and over again. So Janet, who's uh, in the faculty with me, watches me draw these drawings, and they, they get more and more aggravated as they go along. He's pretty good. I'm not that good. <laughs> Um, one or two more questions, and then we uh, can call it if you guys want. We're happy to, to sign books. And I think this is the only time all three of us have ever been together. This is, yeah, yeah, this is the first yeah, time. It may never happen again. So, so if you want books signed, this is not a bad time to do it. Um, any other questions? I do have, I have one question. I just wanted, you said you played around with a bunch of styles, um, and I just wanted to know how you arrived at the style um, that you used for the book, and what style that you were playing around with. 
listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by and we hope to see you soon.